0: praise God thank you Pauline for sharing that testimony truly God is uh when we want to serve him God seems to protect us God seems to provide for us God seems to come through in above and beyond ways and so um, I think from the praise and from the testimony I'm seeing a, a theme emerging for this service okay so let's pray Father, on this Mother's Day, we we give thanksgiving to all the mothers who bore us, who uh, sacrificed for us, who um, helped bring us up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, who cheered us on and prayed for us. Father, we we also on this day remember you heavenly Father for being so consistent, uh being so faithful. Uh you never change and you're the same yesterday, today, forever. And uh Lord, you you make more than make up for all the mistakes of earthly parents and uh, uh, what people do to us And just being in a sinful world Lord, we know that in you There's safety, security We can always come to you So we give you praise on this day For who you are And, and who you've been in our lives Father, we just pray that uh, we, we we invite your presence here uh, Jesus, you're the, the head of the church And head of this church So we invite you to rule And reign amongst us Holy Spirit We invite you to come And minister to us Soften hearts So that we can hear the word of God. We pray the word would land on hearts today and be fruitful for your glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've been asking about the resurrection. It says in Philippians 3:10 that uh we want to know uh Jesus in the power of his resurrection. Uh we want to become like Jesus in his death, because if you look at Jesus and how he died, the manner in which he died, that is the That is the pinnacle of the Christian life. We want to get there. We want to be like Jesus in the manner in which he died and to bear the kind of fruit and the forgiveness and just the self-control, the the love, the compassion that he uh, just demonstrated in his final moments. We want to be just like Jesus. And God gave me a simple definition of resurrection. It's three words. Can anyone guess what it might be? Three words to define resurrection. He is risen. That's good. That's not what I had, but yes. <laughs> is it three separate words or a phrase? It three separate words, which is a phrase. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One, <laughs> or, We're a third way there. Yes. Jesus life? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. He is risen. Jesus has life. Indestructible. Three words. <laughs> <laughs> It describes what we need to do as a Christian each day so that we can have the power of the resurrection. Yes? Repent. That's a good one. That's a good one. New? New? What do we do as Christians each day? Worship. Worship. Yeah, worship is good. Repentance is good. Uh, I didn't think it would be this hard. <laughs> okay <laughs> I know the answer is in this room. <laughs> yes. Life with, God. life with God, okay. okay, these are all good. <laughs> okay, it's a it's a it's the pattern of the Christian life, the pattern. We do it. We do it daily. Life and prayer. Life and prayer. Yes. Life and prayer. Yes. Faith. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm losing a little confidence now. <laughs> We're getting close. Yes, Natalie. Pardon me. Live, love, pray. Okay. What did Jesus do to resurrect? yes death to life life. life. yes 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 Yes. i knew the answer was here i believed death to life that is that is the phrase the lord gave me this week jesus did it on a a cosmic scale that he swallowed up death uh, by his eternal life um by dying, by, by being raised uh, from the grave. And so he did it on a cosmic scale. But as a, in a microscopic scale, like we look at Jesus as our example, and we follow that pattern. And each day we are dying and being raised to life. We are, we're, we're dying to self. We're being raised in the newness of life. We are, we are denying ourselves. We're taking up a cross. We are following Jesus. Uh, last week we said, Isaiah 61, that we are the planting of the Lord, That he may be glorified. Did you know that uh, we can glorify God and God wants to be glorified? And it's not simply through our lips. He wants to look at us and be glorified. Like when when Father looked at Jesus, especially as He's going to the cross, uh, in that moment there is a lot of glory being shared. There's there's the Jesus giving glory to the Father, obviously, but but also the Father is glorifying the Son because the hour has come and He is fulfilling His assignment and and He is bearing the fruit uh, of the Spirit in in these final moments. And so we want to be like Jesus in His death and and. In so doing, we can give a lot, bring a lot of glory to the Heavenly Father, not, not merely through words, but also through our lives. And we are the planting of the Lord. And uh, in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5 through 6, it says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth." So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And so we, we are servants of the Lord, and you've had uh, servants, uh, um, mom, dad, pastors, uh, ministers, small group leaders, various people, friends that poured into you and some of them planted uh, the Word of God, Uh, some by preaching, by ministering, by discipling. Others came alongside of you, encouraged you, prayed for you, and they were watering that seed. Uh, But in the end, does it really matter who plants and who waters? Uh, God says in the end, they're, neither of them are anything. They're just instruments in, a God, in God's hands. But the one, who gives all, the one who receives all the glory is the one who brings the growth. And who brings the growth? It's God. And so God receives all the glory. Um, and so God does his part, which is to bring about growth, to bring about increase, to bring about life. And so now it begs the question, what is our part for for this planting of the Lord to come forth so that God can receive glory in our lives? And the passage uh, that, the main passage for today is from John chapter 12. So let's read that together. John chapter 12, verse 23. I meant to read this passage uh, beforehand. That might have helped (laughs) with the three words. John chapter 12, verse 23. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this hour I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And so there's a lot of glory happening in, this, in, this, in these verses. It is a time for the Son of Man to be glorified uh, because He is uh, he was prepared. All of His life is culminating in what He's about to do by dying on a cross and being raised to life. Uh, and, and also He is glorifying the Father, and the Father's name is being glorified. And, and that is the pattern that the Christian we want to, we want to follow that we want to bring the Father glory not simply through our lips but by following the pattern of Jesus who died and who was raised to life This Jesus did on a cosmic scale but as a Christian we are doing this daily. It is a daily dying and being raised to the newness of life. That's why the very first thing that you did as a Christian is to confess before a, a, a public audience and to the world that I am a Christ follower and you got baptized and you went underwater and that symbolized you're dying to your old self and you're being raised to the newness of life. And so we did this in the beginning of our Christian life and it, is, it becomes the pattern through which we live so that this resurrection power can flow. And this, this seed, uh, this grain of wheat, um, simply needs to die. And so God's part is he provides the sun, he provides the water, he provides the environment, the soil, the nutrients. He does everything, and in the end, the growth comes, uh, and he receives all the glory. But what does the the grain of wheat need to do? The seed. It needs to die. That is our part. God does all the rest. We surrender, we, we repent. That's our part God does everything else, the restoration, the increase, the growth. He receives all the glory from beginning to end. He did his part. All we need to do is die. Uh, Easier said than done. Dying is probably the hardest thing to do. And yet it is the only thing we should do as a Christian. And everything else, God takes care of. And what are we dying to? It says, whoever loves his life, verse 25 loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Um, this life, uh, if, if you don't read it correctly, then it almost gives you a permission to be depressed. I just need to hate my life. I can be grumpy. I can be in a bad mood. Who, who cares about this life anyway? And you can have that kind of an attitude and be irritable and do life that way. But when it says uh, your life, it is, it is suke. And Suke is where we get the word psychology. And so uh, when God breathed into uh, humanity, what, what He gave us in that moment was our soul. And that is what a psychologist does. They look, they examine, they help examine your soul. And so what is happening in your thought patterns that are out of whack? What is happening in your emotions that are out of whack? And they're examining your past because there are things, memories there that damaged you and there's trauma. And so your thoughts are off and your emotions are off and all of your will, your decisions are off. And so that's what a psychologist does. Uh, but what God does is he breathes a soul into us. It is our mind, it is our emotions, it is our will. And so it, it is that thing, that soul, that needs to die and be redeemed. Um, I don't know if you've heard this term. I think we've used this uh, in this church um, quite a bit over the years. Is There's a thing called soulishness, and Christians can be soulish, uh, where they're so trusting in their mind and their emotions and they think all of life flows from what I think and what I feel it's like social media There's just so much soulishness so much anger so much polarizing uh, conversations and 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 just uh, you're not part of my tribe and how dare you and and just just throwing stones at each other and it's just on display you're seeing a soul that's out of whack it is uh, it is even a Christian can be soulish. And so when it says you need to lose this life, it is an invitation to die to your soulishness. The essence of the soul or the self is your mind, is your emotions, and is your will. Another helpful passage to kind of explain the soul is Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me; for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits himself? And so part of this this dying to the soul, this soulishness is to first deny yourself. There, there's, a, there's a way that you think uh, that your life should be, and, and how it should pan out, and and there's certain scripts that you've been handed to, or you wrote it out yourself, and you've been just following that script. And your mind is, it's almost like it's, it's so fixed. It's almost like a stronghold. You just, you just operate out of that mindset, uh, and, and your emotions just, just, just confirm it. Um, and, and and when that happens, your will. Quickly surrenders and follows your mind and your emotions. Um, And so, the first thing, before we even think about serving Jesus, before we think about living for Jesus, before we have this resurrection life, before we say, I am a servant of Christ, I want to follow Jesus, before we do any of that, the first invitation, John 12, was to die be the grain of wheat that dies. In Luke 9, it is, it is to deny yourself, your very essence. Um, uh, the, there's certain things that you, you, uh, you've been pursuing, certain goals that you've had since birth or from a young age, and, and you're, just, you're just on this train. You're just moving along. Uh, and, and sometimes um, you get hurt by somebody, and and all of your life is a reaction to that trauma, and you say, "I'm going to prove that person wrong," and it's your emotions and your thoughts working together, and then your will just moves onto this train and says, "I am gonna, I am gonna prove to that person, to this world, that I am somebody," and and it's it's it's. If you just drill down deep, it's really unforgiveness. It's really anger. It's, it's something that's not good, but it's your mindset got, got fixed. Your emotions uh, got damaged, and, and all of it are swirling together in this thing called soul. And the first invitation when you become a Christian is all of that, we deny it. We're not living by our soul, by what we think, by what we feel, by what we simply want to do. And the challenge of being this this kernel of wheat that dies is it takes time. It is not natural uh, to die. Uh, The death to the soulishness um, is a daily process. Uh, You need to deny yourself, take up a cross. Both are, you can just say, these are synonymous. Uh, You deny yourself. What did Jesus do? He said at Gethsemane, Father, I really don't want to do this. Is there another way? Can this cup pass? He is struggling in his soul. Uh, Is there another way, Father? Please. But what does he do in this prayer at Gethsemane? Is he denies his soul. And that's where he wins his victory. Even before he suffers, he won the victory in prayer by, by denying himself, by allowing this soulishness to die. He was not going to be dictated by his emotions, by seeking comfort, by seeking an easier way. He won it at Gethsemane in prayer. And he denied himself. He, and he literally took up his cross. And so what we do, we deny ourselves. We take up a cross. We take up a cross and like Jesus saying, I will follow God and I will deny myself and I will fully obey God. We're saying the same thing. What Ray wants doesn't matter. What Ray feels doesn't matter. What Ray wants to do, it doesn't matter. I deny all of it. Like God had a plan for Jonah. Go to Nineveh. Can you just go to Nineveh? I've I've I have appointed you and, and and you're going to be successful. That whole city is going to repent. And they're going to turn. Can you just go to Nineveh? And Jonah, what he shows in his story is soulishness. The the mindset was not right. There's something that happened in Jonah's past, something he experienced personally or in his family or through his friends or through his countrymen, something he observed of these barbarians, these Ninevites. I don't want anything to do with them. And so when God calls him to go there, he goes the other direction. There are things that God wants to do for, for us to do in our life. But because we're soulish, we simply cannot do it. Because it's the last thing on earth we want to do. Because we 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 have a certain script, a mindset that we have. We have emotions attached to it. And whenever we have a plan and we start thinking about it, the more you think about it, the more you want to do it. The more you think about it, your emotions validate it. Oh yeah, that's a great plan. I really want to do this. This other plan, you don't even consider it. It's like God gave you that other plan, you don't even consider it. Because your soul is so strong, your emotions are only flowing one direction. And then your will follows. What Jonah need to, needed to do is, Father, you're sending me to Nineveh. Why am I being drawn in the other direction? What is wrong with my soul? What is this emotion that's our broken? What, how can you heal this? Because I want to serve you. I am a prophet. I, 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 do want to, I do want to live for you. But why am I resisting? There's a battle that happens in prayer where we have to surrender. You have to die. And if you're not accustomed to dying, chances are you will not hear the Lord correctly. If you cannot die, it's like you're too strong in your own voice. You want to go left, all the while Jesus is going right. He's leading you in this opposite direction, but you have your own biases, your prejudices, your damage, your soulishness, your mind, your script, your emotions, which are damaged, which feel at peace, going the wrong direction. And so before we do anything, brother and sister, we have to learn how to die. And it's the death to the soul. And the soul is, the death to the soul has a goal. It is to serve Jesus. It is to be a follower of Jesus. Don't we all, aren't we all followers of Jesus? Don't we all want to follow Jesus? Don't we all want to serve Jesus? If so, then you and I have to die. There is no other way. You will get it wrong so often if you do not die. There's so many plans I had as a young Christian, as a young pastor. I had to learn the hard way uh, that I was too soulish. That I was praying one direction, frustrated that God was not hearing me. But God was speaking in this direction. And God wanted me to die. He wanted me to stop being soulish. He wanted me to wait on him. It just takes time for that seed to fall and die. If if you're a gardener, there's just many gardening analogies these days, imagine you plant a seed. Everything is right. You have the right sunlight, the right amount of water, Somebody, Paul, planted a seed, Apollos watered, the sun is right, the environment is right, the, it's nutrient-rich, everything is right. Imagine if you're a, uh, you're restless as a gardener. You want, really want to see that, that tree come out. And so every few hours, you start digging around the seed and say, is it dead yet? How come it's not coming out? And you, just start, you just start digging around and say, how come it's not dying? How come there's no, how come there's no life? I wonder if, if, we are, if we do Christian life that way. That as we're starting to die, quickly, because we have ADHD, we start digging around and say, how come there's no life? There's some distraction, some other voice that comes in, our voice. And so the moment we're supposed to stay and just die, it's like quickly we're, we're, we're like the seed that sprouts up. And like, like a jumping bean, we're going to a next soil and we're we're moving through life when the only job of the seed is just remain there and die. What good is it to do life when you're not dead? When you can't hear correctly, when your soul is so active, you're going to get all your decisions wrong if you're soulish. It takes time for the seed to die. I planted things weeks ago. Some of it, it sprouts fast. And there are some Christians, it's like they... For whatever reason, the, the, the resurrection power is there. The life is there. It's almost, you see it uh, almost on a daily basis. It's there. You, it's so clear because it, it dies. And then on that same day, there's life. And there's more life. And there's a continual pattern of life. Others of us, it's just days go by. Weeks go by. I've been sitting there watching my garden. Some sprout up quickly. Some are just sitting there. And I'm tempted to start digging around, say, this thing must be, this must be, there's no life going to come forth. It must not have died properly. It's just probably remaining a seed in there. And so I should just plant something new. And then I just, okay, let me just be a little more patient. Let me just wait on it. Maybe it takes a little bit longer for some seeds to die. And sure enough, I waited one, two, three weeks. And now the area that was seemingly dead Life is coming forth. It just takes time for us to die. And it's a daily invitation to die. And until we get it right, uh, there's not going to be much fruit. You're not going to be very discerning. You're not going to make good decisions. Uh, You're going to be stumbling uh, in the dark. You're going to be trying to serve the Lord, but you're going to be in the wrong field. You're going to be in the wrong pasture. You're going to be in the wrong area. You're going to be in the wrong ministry because you did not die. Um, The goal of dying is not simply to just be a masochist and die. It is to serve God it is to serve and follow jesus it is to live for jesus and we want to do that and so we must go through the step first death to life death to life just remember that make that a daily thing like if i if i want life and i'm not seeing it ask yourself am i dead have i died Did I surrender myself today? Did I deny myself today? Did I repent today? Did I go through the process of dying? Because unless I did, I cannot expect life. It is a daily pattern of death to life. That is what we celebrate every time we gather on Resurrection Sunday. This resurrection power, how do we access it? It is death to life. When we say we're being soulish, Another way to put it is our approach to life is simply just wrong. Uh, we can't just base life on our thoughts because our thoughts and God's thoughts are a, 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 a heaven and earth gap. And so we, we trust our thoughts too often instead of waiting for God's thoughts. Like I have many thoughts, many ideas, and then if I wait a little bit, another thought enters and I say, okay, this thought is, doesn't feel like my own thought. It's not something I would readily think of myself. It is not something I would in readily want to do on my own. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and, and so this other thought is a, has a different voice. It's not my voice. And when I trusted that other thought, God's thought, sure enough, there was fruit. Maybe not in the way that I wanted, maybe at not the rate that I wanted. Um, it didn't unfold the way I wanted, but there was fruit. And this dying to the self is and dying to soulishness is just admitting my approach to life is wrong. And so, Lord, I want to do life a different way. Um, our, our mind that is not dead that is soulish, makes it impossible to serve, follow, and live for Jesus because we have so many ideas, and those ideas are not from the Lord, and you just jump on those ideas, and you waste years of your life pursuing ideas that were not of the Lord. That is a soulish person. Or, uh, or an emotion that is soulish, that is not surrendered, that's not dead or redeemed, uh, makes it impossible to serve or follow and live for Jesus because you have the ideas and the more you think about it, the more you want to do it, the more you think about it, your emotions start latching onto it and say, that's a good idea. I feel at peace with that idea and it's the wrong idea because you haven't died. Your soulishness has to die and when your mind is triggered and your emotions are triggered in the wrong direction, your will will follow and all the while you're going to think, the Lord is leading me this way when he's, and when he hasn't led you that way. i made mistakes, and, I, I, and I, if I trace it back, how did I make the mistake? I did not pause long enough to die. I felt it. I mean, I thought of it. I saw it. I felt it. I went for it, and it was a wrong idea. Had I paused, had I died, had I been more discerning, I would have I saved myself time and money. I made a wrong decision. through our prayerlessness, especially when we don't die. If, if, if dying and denying yourself and taking up a cross is not a critical part, surrender and repentance are not a critical part of your prayer life, then we are communicating to the Father, not your will, Father, my will be done. It takes time. It is a, it is a deliberate dying to the self to, to just kneel before the Father and say, Father, what is your will? Jesus, you're the master, I am the, the sheep. You're the shepherd, I'm the sheep. You're the Lord, I am simply a servant. Which way are you going? It just takes time to, to put down your own thoughts and your soulishness and say, Jesus, lead me to the Father's will. As long as the seed does its part and dies. As long as we as Christians do our part and die. The triune God takes care of the rest. The Father, He prunes. Uh, Jesus is the Son. John chapter 8. He is the light of the world. He shines upon you. Uh, The Holy Spirit, John chapter chapter 7 is the source of living water and He waters you. And God is the one who brings the growth. All we need to do is die. Uh, my practical advice is that I understand um, that it's not easy to die. Uh, it is not natural to be in God's presence long enough to, to put down our soul and to listen to Him. So I want to give you a little bit of a practical advice, because not many of us can just kneel in prayer for hours. It is it is not natural. And so I wanna I wanna give you a suggestion. Find something that does not involve a screen or a phone, some hobby, uh, some activity, preferably with your hands, and invite the Lord into that activity. And and it, it's a prayer time, it is a posture, it's being in his presence. Like Jesus when he's doing carpentry, do you think he just focused on the wood? or is he in the background is he inviting the father to be in that in like hours building a table uh do you think he's he's just he just he's just trying to like maximize the order and send it to IKEA or something like that. He he is he is praying. He's cultivating a life of prayer and being in God's presence, and that's why he chose something that you 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 can be engaged, but it's not like you're so engaged mentally and emotionally. You're just there doing it. It's 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 almost autopilot, but God is there. He's praying. He's cultivating a life of prayer, and so I think. Uh, uh, um, Following Jesus' example, there are things that we need to do uh, to, to stretch out the time because it takes time for the seed to die. Stretch out the time to be in God's presence. Um, so I will give you a few. Uh, go on prayer walks. Uh, it's good for your exercise. It's good for your health. Uh, uh, put on, get some headphones, listen to praise music, listen to the Word of God because faith comes from hearing. Uh, that's a great activity. Um, gardening, I recommend if you have a yard, garden with headphones, with with praise, with the Word of God. Um, get a fish tank. Do an underwater uh, um, landscape, um, just just something with life, something natural, not a screen, not a dead thing, something that brings life and just takes time. And it's not something so uh, that you have to focus so much and it's just strenuous mentally. It's just it's easy, it's autopilot. You can invite God's presence in that moment. Um, grow microgreens; it's good for your health, it's good for it's good for your soul. Um, bake bread. Find some sourdough starter. Start breaking, baking bread. I'm just giving you things that I'm trying to do in my life. With things with my hand. I, do, I did enough computers. I don't need to do more computers for my hobby. Find something that is life-giving. And so now I just want to lead us through a time of prayer.